What a wonderful day. Good morning, Crossroads family. Uh, so glad to uh, be with you this morning. And uh, this morning, Lord willing, we are going to wrap up, uh, attempt to wrap up Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. So if you've got your Bible or your uh, Bible app, you can turn uh, turn to Nehemiah 13. While you're turning there, uh, I want to say a great big thank you to some uh, to to you as a church number one for your continued giving, and uh, and also ask you this week if you could just make a special gift as you can imagine uh, during times like this all churches tend to um, uh, hurt just to be honest uh, when it comes to the giving of the church because we're not meeting together regularly so um, if you would do your best maybe to send an extra gift this week if you're visiting today and you're uh, watching the Crossroads uh, church family here with our worship time together and you're plugged into a church home but maybe you're not able to be there for some reason you're streaming today maybe you're a friend of one of our members I want to encourage you to make sure your giving is up to date with your church your tithes and your offerings are up to date with your church um, when we are able to meet back uh, hopefully just a few short weeks together corporately we don't want to be playing catch up uh, so can I just encourage if you've not given or uh, you're not up to date on whatever that partnership agreement is between you and the Lord and you're giving, I don't know what it is, but you and the Lord, uh, would you try to get caught up this week? And if you can give a little extra, would you do that? Because there are some uh, families in our church who uh, these weeks have, have greatly affected. And so we want to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters. So I want to ask you to do that. And thank you for many of you that have been doing that. And uh, also, if you have not picked up one of the Crossroads devotional books, um, you should be on about day six, seven, eight, nine, right around in there, depending on when you got your book. If you haven't gotten one, grab one at the church office uh, this coming week. Um, we'll be there in the mornings, typically. And you can get one of those for a donation to the weekday uh, weekday preschool ministry. So thank you for doing that. A lot of friends, a lot of you have been doing a lot of things over these last days uh, while we've had some time uh, away and the church has been uh, not quite as busy as normal. Uh, I want to say thank you to Alan Harden and a great crew of folks, Eve and Mark McMakin and uh, so many friends who have been pressure washing and cleaning. Uh, our friends Sonny and Ronnie are continuing to uh, get the uh, weekday uh, area offices um, uh, finished. And so I want to say thank you to them. So many in our church family that have been stepping up and uh, doing a lot. Ashley and her crew have been cleaning, disinfecting, reorganizing, uh, so that when we get back to church, um, we'll be, we'll be ready and raring to go. So if you can help, as a matter of fact, there are a lot of projects still to be done. If you can help, would you, uh, call the church office and we'll get you plugged in with somebody. Or if you want to call or text me or email me, uh, you're welcome to do that, all right? So thank you, thank you, thank you. Got to say thank you, uh, too, uh, for just an incredible, uh, wow, what a, just a wonderful time of communion we had last week. A very, very special time for our family, uh, even though Lauren was in Charleston and Will was here at the house with us through technology, we were all together, uh, separately, but all together. And we had communion like you did at, uh, at home, and it was just a special time. So thank you for participating with us. And today we continue celebrating um, the risen Savior. So if you've got your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 13. Now, before our week of communion, which would have been two weeks ago, we looked at Nehemiah chapter 12. And we talked about in Nehemiah uh, chapter 12, chapter 11, 
um, why uh, the people didn't really want to enter. Actually, it was Nehemiah chapter 11, why the people did not want to enter back into uh, the city and repopulate the city. There were a lot of reasons. It required some changes on their parts, uh, living differently. Uh, chapter 12 gets into um, the dedication uh, of the priests and the Levites, and they get in after the dedication um, and the repopulation of Jerusalem, and they come in and they uh, they gather together. We read in chapter 12, there's a lot of names in chapter 12, and they have the rededicating of the wall, uh, celebrating what is going to happen. Now, Bible scholars, depending on who you read, say that between chapter 12 and chapter 13, there are a number of years. We don't know how many. Some say two. Some say a little bit more than that. But there, so there's some time that has passed. And Nehemiah had returned to the king. Remember, uh, Nehemiah 1, when he went to the king, he was sad. And the king said, why are you sad? And he said, because the walls have fallen. And I need to go rebuild the, the walls of Jerusalem. The temple is rebuilt, but the walls are still down. You remember that. And the king said, okay, you go. And so somewhere between chapter 12 and chapter 13, Nehemiah had returned to the king. And when he comes back, he is surprised. And you and I are going to be surprised because at the end of chapter 12 of Nehemiah, uh, he gave them some instructions of things to do. And so if you want to flip, flip back to the end of chapter 12, just pick up there maybe around verse 44. Nehemiah leaves the people with some assignments, much like Jesus has left us with some assignments before he returns. How are we doing on our assignments? How are we doing? We get to chapter end of chapter 12, and it says in verse 44, On that day men were also appointed in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by law. Verse 45, They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as the musicians and the gatekeepers uh, were a part of that, according to the commands of David. Verse 46, talks about the directors and the musicians. Verse 47, it goes on and talks about the musicians, the gatekeepers, the worshipers. We talked about how important that was. And they set aside the portions as they were supposed to do. That was before Nehemiah left. So Nehemiah goes back to the king. Chapter 13, he comes back and he discovers some things that aren't quite the happy ending that uh, he thought was going to be the case. You know, I have a lot of friends who just say, well, the Bible, all the stories in the Bible are just the end with, you know, they lived happily ever after. It's not real. It's not real. And I said to this friend of mine, I'm not sure what Bible you're reading because that's not what happens throughout the Bible. There's ups and downs. There's trials. There's tribulations. There's roller coaster rides. And here in Nehemiah, uh, at beginning of 13, we discover uh, that uh, there's some challenges. The people have not done what... Uh, they should have done. So that's where we're going to pick up with Nehemiah chapter 13. And uh, I'm going to read just a few of these verses. And I want to encourage you at home uh, this week to, to read it because there's 31 verses. And so I'll just get us started here. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 1. On that day they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and there was found written in it that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God. Because they didn't meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, but they hired Balaam against them to curse them. So he's talking about, this is, go back and look in Deuteronomy chapter 23, and you'll find out uh, about this story. Back in there, this, bringing up some of their history, that the sons of Israel, 
They did not come out and meet the sons of Israel and take care of them. And so it says God turned the curse into a blessing. And we're going to come back to that phrase in just a minute. So hang on. Verse 3, it came about that when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners from Israel. Okay, then we get into verse 4, and we're going to find out three things that happened. A lot more than that, but I'm going to hit three things that happened. While Nehemiah was gone, where people returned to life as normal. Life before Nehemiah was on the scene. Uh, and returned to doing things that they shouldn't do. Uh, and we find out in verse 4, it says, Eliashib, the priest, was appointed over the chambers of the house of God and was related to Tobiah. Do you remember Tobiah? Tobiah was one of the guys that was uh, cunning and conniving to come against Nehemiah in the earlier part of the story. You remember that. He had plotted against Nehemiah. Well, they had come to uh, a friendship and agreement. Uh, Nehemiah trusted uh, Tobiah, and it says in verse 5 that he had prepared a large room for him where they formerly put the grain offerings, frankincense, utensils, tithes, wine, oil prescribed for the Levites. But during this time, and here's where we find out about the chronology, it says in verse 6, during this time, Nehemiah says, I was not in Jerusalem because I had returned the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon. I had gone back to the king. But after some time, I asked leave from the king to come back to Jerusalem, verse 7, and learn about the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. So here's what happened. The first thing that happened was in his absence, in his absence, the temple had been desecrated. In his absence, the temple had been desecrated. So we find out here that uh, Tobiah, who had plotted against Nehemiah, had been given a storeroom in the temple for his things. Uh, and he had taken out what rightly belonged in the temple and put other things in it. In other words, while the mice was away, uh, the cat will play. Is that how it goes? While the cat's away, the mice will play. That's how it goes. Uh, and the same thing was true here. And the people lacked integrity. Integrity is doing what you know to be right when no one is watching. Knowing and doing what you know to be right when no one is watching. So we find out that the temple has been des desecrated. It was not, uh, the rooms were not used for what they were supposed to be. And Nehemiah says in verse 8, he was very displeased. So he threw out all of Tobiah's household goods. He put his household goods, his dirty laundry, basically, in the temple where these holy objects were supposed to be to bring honor and glory to God. Remember, that was the purpose of this city, was, was not just to rebuild a wall, but a city that worshiped the one true God. And now here this temple has been defiled. So that's the first thing that happens. The Levites and musicians, he discovers in verse 10, they have not been financially supported like they were supposed to be. People had turned their back on that responsibility. So the Levites and musicians had left their posts and they went back to their fields. We discover that in verse 10, verse 11. We get down to verse 12 and it says, All Judah then brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. So Nehemiah brings them back together, helps them understand, here's what you did wrong, let's get this back corrected. And in charge of the storehouses, he appoints some new people, which we read about in verse uh, 13 and 14. So that's the desecration of the temple. That was the first thing that happened in Nehemiah's absence while he was gone. The temple was desecrated. Then we discover the second thing that happens, and that is the Sabbath was profaned. 
we find out what happens on the Sabbath, much like if you remember what happened with Jesus when he entered the temple. They have turned the temple in Nehemiah's day into a, a, a marketplace. And we find out in verse 15, he says, In those days he saw some who were treading wine presses on the Sabbath, bringing in sacks of grain, loading them on donkeys, as well as wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, and brought them into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And he admonished them on the day that they sold the food. This was not supposed to happen. This is against the rules of the day. And men of Tyre, he says in verse 16, were importing fish and merchandise. And he reprimanded them, it says in verse 17, it says, what is this evil thing you're doing by profaning the Sabbath day? And then he gives them some history in verse 18. Did you not know your fathers did the same thing in the same way and brought us trouble? And so here they have, they have uh, profaned, the Sabbath. You remember there was one other thing that he talked to them about. Remember he talked to them about being right in business. He talked to them about being right in relationship. And he talked about them being right in their in their marriage, in their family. And that's the third thing that we discover that they messed up on is they violated the marriage commitment. We get down to verse 23. Uh, and as we read this, it says, In those days I also saw that the Jews had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Remember, that was not what they were supposed to do. This was uh, mixed marriages among those that were pagan and those that were, were God-fearing people. And the children of those marriages could not even speak Hebrew. So Nehemiah deals with these offenders. And he says in verse 25, I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them. He got pretty upset. Listen, this. He pulled out their hair. He made them swear by God. Because this was a big deal that they had turned their back on the things that they were supposed to do. And all this was happening. All this was happening while he was away and he returns and he discovers this, this chaos, this confusion. And, you know, I think about what might happen if Jesus returned in our world and discovered a lot of chaos uh, and a lot of confusion. Would he return? Would we be living out the things that he has told us to do? You know, one of the things that we've talked about as we've studied the book of Nehemiah is that our job is to, uh, when it comes to the return of Jesus, is to watch and pray and watch and be ready. And so all these things are going on. And you would you would think by reading this, wow, I mean, just the people turned their back. They didn't do what they said. Uh, it's, it's a sad, sad story. You know, how could God take something like this and do anything good out of it? Uh, but Nehemiah cries out to God in verse 29. He says, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood of the Levites. But he says, verse 30, Thus I purified them from everything foreign, and I appointed duties. I appointed duties for the priests and the Levites, and I arranged for the supply of wood. In other words, he tries to right all the wrongs. He gets the people together, and he says at the very last statement of Nehemiah, Remember me, O my God, for good because of his efforts for good and it's interesting that God does take chaos and confusion oftentimes and he turns it into good now I mentioned at the very beginning of this chapter there was a little phrase that maybe you and I missed and I want us to go back and look at it because I think we might discover Something. If we go back at the very beginning of this chapter, verse 13, there's an interesting phrase. At the end of verse 2, here's what it says. Our God 
turn the curse into a blessing. Nehemiah is talking about how God did that in the past, and you and I know that God also does that in the present. He did it in Nehemiah's day, right? Isn't that just like God? To take what the devil meant for evil and use it for good. The devil tries to turn a blessing into a curse. I mean, you think about it. God gave man the blessing of choice and to choose between good and evil. And the devil made man proud and woman, made man and woman proud and tempted him to choose evil. And a lot of times man will take the blessing that God has given us and man will turn the blessing into a curse. We don't need the devil, but sometimes the devil is involved. And we, we sometimes rely on all of our things like strength and intellect and wealth and all the good uh, by ourselves. And we trust in our own understanding and lean not on the Lord. And when that happens, all kinds of occasions of evil. And just like in the Garden of Eden and just like how God took that curse of sin in the Garden of Eden and made something good out of it. God took this bad situation that was happening in Nehemiah's day, the bad choices of the people. He used Nehemiah's righteous anger and ultimate forgiveness to set the people on a path of crying out to God, which was what God wanted. And so we see how it happens in Nehemiah's day, how God can turn the curse into a blessing. But you know what? We also discover how that can happen through... Christ, and we just talked about that last week with communion service and how God took what Satan thought was going to happen, took the curse, the seeming curse of the crucifixion, and he turned it into a blessing because it became the salvation of all mankind through what Jesus did on the cross. It's the same thing that God did through Christ, the same thing that happened here in Nehemiah that Nehemiah was able to do for the people Jesus does for you and I, it's the same thing he does. He takes that curse of sin and actually makes it a blessing, if I can kind of say it that way. The existence of sin we know is an awful fact. It's a great curse. Sin separates us from God. It destroys uh, man's original position with God. It cuts us off from our fellowship, from our happiness, from our joy. But God in his sovereignty and in his uh, great grace took the curse of sin and use it as an opportunity to exhibit the glory and the character of God in a way like no other. God's glory through Christ shines the greatest in man's salvation. And Satan's plot to kill Jesus thinking he would curse the world forever resulted in the completion of God's master plan of salvation. Amazing. Amazing how God takes bad things and turns them into good things. Makes his will happen even throughout the chaos and the confusion. Through Christ and his resurrection, the curse of sin, God took that curse to become a blessing of redemption for you and I. Isn't it just like our God? It's amazing. Isn't it just like our God? Our God turned the curse into a blessing. You know, he did that through Nehemiah. He did that through Jesus. But you know what? I believe he's also doing that right now in our day. The things that we're facing with this coronavirus, this COVID-19, God can do the same thing. And I believe he is doing the same thing. Right now, what we're facing is a community and as a world. The pandemic that we face is meant to be a curse. And no doubt people, uh, some people have lost their lives. And that is not good. It's not joyful. And more probably will lose their lives. And we're socially distanced. We're not able to be fellowshipping together in person. 
And I cannot wait for the hugs and the shouts and the singing when we're able to be back together. It's going to be awesome. But what appears to be a curse right now, God can use for blessing. We're all saddened because we're not able to meet together in sorrow. I read this past week. This is a great quote. Sorrow is one of the best nurses for godliness. Wow. Sorrow is one of the best nurses for godliness. So when you think about what God has done with that curse that he turned into a blessing, he can turn a curse into a blessing in our day right now through what's going on with this with this virus. Think about the cross. Think about the resurrection. Think about all throughout history what God has done, how he's turned curses into a blessing. I think about Joseph who was sold by his brothers and God makes him a king. Amazing. I think about Paul who was in prison. It looked like a curse from the enemy. And yet Paul won his jailer and family to Christ. I think about John who was banished to the Isle of Patmos where he was refreshed and he gives us the wonderful message in the scriptures that we now have. All these things that the enemy wants to use as curses, God turns around and uses for blessing in our life. Nehemiah saw God at work in the people of Jerusalem. He gratefully acknowledged amongst them that the Almighty was still working. Which is so true. And so one of the questions that I've been asking myself this week as we kind of close today is, why do we allow our mindset to suggest that God is not at work when the world seems chaotic? Have you ever thought about that? A lot of times when things are kind of going smooth and everything in the world seems right, you know, we think, wow, this is just peaceful. God's at work. He is. God is at work. When there's chaos or confusion or pandemic, sometimes we think, where, where is God? He's not working. No, God's at work. God has not stopped working. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working. Think about that Waymaker song. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working. He's a Waymaker. He's an overcomer, as we were singing earlier. He's an overcomer. We overcome. The chaos and confusion of the world and the curses of the world because of the blessings of God. That's how we overcome. Not in of ourselves, but we overcome. And we ultimately overcome, as we talked about last week, through the blood of Jesus Christ because of the crucifixion and the resurrection. God is willing to turn all of our curses to blessings. But you know what else I've discovered? When you read Nehemiah and you know the story of Jesus, he'll take all of our curses... And it'll turn them to blessing. But it will require action on our part. For Nehemiah, it required confrontation among people who weren't doing what they were supposed to do. For Jesus, it required the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, the payment of our sin, to take the curse of sin and turn it into a blessing. For you and I, this curse of the pandemic, it's going to require something. It may require us to have humility. It may require us to pray more. It may require us to exhibit compassion for a neighbor or a friend who's in need right now this week. So I don't know what you're facing, but I do know this. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid of God's providences when they seem to break up our lives or crush our dreams or our hopes or our plans. We shouldn't be afraid of God's providence, God's sovereignty, shouldn't be afraid of realizing that God is working even when we seem temporarily uh, unuseful. 
Because God is still at work. And He's working in your life today. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for our Crossroads family. I thank you for their goodness uh, this week by serving one another, uh, by stepping out, by checking on one another. I pray, God, that you would use this opportunity that we have this week and in the days ahead. Would you provide opportunities for us to be Jesus for our family, for our neighbors, to serve, uh, to serve and to shelter people with the love of Christ. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of Nehemiah. What an incredible model of faithfulness for you in the good times and the bad times. Thank you for the faithfulness of Jesus, our ultimate model, the person whom we want to follow. Lord, I thank you that uh, that small little phrase in this chapter, you take curses and turn them into a blessing. I pray, Lord, that you would do that even with this pandemic that's happening right now. Would you take it? Would you use it as a blessing in our lives, in our families, in us individually? Would you make it a blessing so that we would spend this time growing closer to you? Would you make it a blessing in our church family? I, I pray, Lord, as uh, as Joey uh, said uh, this past week, God, uh, would you bring revival to us individually, to our family, to our church family, to our community? to the upstate, to our state, to our nation, to our world as a result of what's happening right now. Take the curse of this pandemic and turn it into a blessing. And we trust you to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can't wait to see you. Uh, and I hope you have a wonderful uh, afternoon. God bless you.